0: Hi, come on in, grab a snack. Welcome to Bob and Joyce. We have a good program today and hope you leave with good ideas and, oh, by
1: all means, a few good laughs. We want to support you doing bold work. Hello, good morning. How are you?
0: Oh, gosh, you know, it, it, I'm doing great. Uh, spring Ooh. is uh, my oh, favorite time of all year. All
1: over, all over. I think that's June is busting out
0: yeah it's so i'm feeling good i mean the birds are chirping and uh, oh. flowers are blooming and roses we had our first roses so i'm doing pretty good how about you in maine
1: well, it's um there are a couple of flowers <laughs> <laughs> of course <Before, laughs> it's doing their best you know actually i was looking at a at my red bud tree and seeing a little red bud pushing through solid wood yeah now that's energy that's commitment that's purpose that's not, I, I just said, wow, I, I, mean, I want to push through my wooden covering and blossom. Mm. I loved it. Anyhow. So, um, what, yeah. what, uh, you know,
0: we, we had a couple of thoughts, but where do you think we should go today?
1: I can't remember where I saw this in action, but I was thinking about the blessing of a good manager. Mm. And we hear so much now about leadership and leadership and CEO, and it's um, that's where the you know, where it gets snobby. Um, and I just was thinking I'm of good managers and what a gift they are and how they are the campfire, they are the glue. If you've got a good manager, that manager can protect and direct um, in a snow squall, in a pandemic. And that it's um, such a demanding role. I just felt like, oh, let's give some attention to managers. Yeah. What a job having to work up the line and down the line and around the line and stay, what I, the word I keep wanting to use is nurturing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I. Um... So I'm right there with you I, uh, and I'll be honest in saying that when I think about leadership, I typically think of that director level, VP level. Um, but if I'm really looking at where the rubber hits the road, as you said, um, it's those thousands and tens of thousands of middle managers, whether they're running a shift or a distribution center or a store or a group of stores, Um, they're the difference makers.
1: I'm pausing because I was thinking, do I want to say this? I do. And how do we compensate differently? Tell me more. Um, If they are essential, oh, I'm tired of that word, but if they make things work, why aren't they paid more?
0: Yeah, that's I. You know, I think
1: that's, that's my real question.
0: Yeah, I, I thought that might be it. I, I'll, I'll tell you when I was running supermarkets, uh, and I guess drugstores too. That one individual running that uh, location or uh-huh. store uh-huh. was the secret sauce. Was the magic that either popped uh, the the culture in the store and and really instilled a lot of ownership by their employees um, and ultimately, you know, affected the bottom line and the top line. And
1: and And why not? And that's where the culture either gets stuck, blocked, dies, withers, or gets spread. In other words, if you spend time on culture, of course, I love to do it vertically, meaning from the top down to the bottom, but if you intervene at the director level and up about culture and build the culture and live the culture. If the manager doesn't get that, there is no culture below the manager.
0: So let me ask you a question because I think back to our time at Hannaford and do you remember early on um, we created the supervisory skills program? Yes. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it was one that I, I, I know Michelle was steeped in um, and it, it seemed to have a positive impact on up and coming managers and uh-huh. leaders. My question to you is, if you think back to the most impactful intervention that really shifted uh, the performance of this middle management can you think of one that really worked great?
1: <laughs> I shouldn't laugh like that. Of course I can. Um, I can think of. Well, many. I think we we framed
0: up a couple challenges. Now I think we we got to kind of shift to maybe solutions. Well,
1: I had uh, kind of an odd one that worked. Mainly because I didn't want to write a tight curriculum. I just didn't. And we did have one, you know, we, we, you have transitional leaders and management at the moment, and blah, 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 blah. blah. But I had uh, new managers come together, bringing the things that were driving them crazy and critical incidents. They met once a month. I would bring big policy, you know, the policy book or whatever with me. And they would bring up problems like, "I have a, an associate that I think is drinking on the job and what do I do?" and da, 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 da. And rather than um, asking me, and by the way, I only participated in three of these, they helped one another. Mm-hmm. And if they got really stuck, they would look in the policy book. But their, their task was to come with a critical incident that was driving them nuts and to share with the group and to have the group offer cautions, solutions, uh, whatever. Usually I had uh, an HR person at any level sit in, but they were um, (laughs) self-managed. I think I'm just a lazy leader. But um, so when they felt that they'd gotten their feet underneath them as a manager, they could drop out. But I loved it because they stayed as we brought in new people.
0: Yep. So
1: there'd be, and then that also helped with management development because suddenly the, those that had been green were leading and advising and it was very uh, nice to see how they grew, stepped into their own strength as a manager and how much satisfaction it gave to them. So it did all kinds of things. It got green people. A place to come to go, I think I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I don't want to break any laws. Don't know what I'm doing. Uh, a place to come and also to hear experienced managers go, oh, that happens all the time. Here's what you're going to do. Um, it worked.
0: You, you it know worked. what? Yeah, th- there's what I like about your example is how often do you or have attended leadership training um, and then you come back to your job, and and it's hard to draw, you know. So what do I do differently today yeah. or next week as a result of this training? I love the fact that it's steeped in their lives and their dilemmas and their challenges. Uh, I think that's a great example.
1: Yeah, and also somebody else in the same role, and it yeah. gave a little bit of um, a nod of how important managers are. I just I'm really obsessed with that today. Yeah. they are they are the glue they are the campfire they are yeah 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 let's yeah. go you know founders.
0: i'm going i'm going to do a little bit of brag and it was something that you really helped design uh as an intervention and there's some similarities to the example that you just gave uh do you remember uh rickett retails at uh, yeah i mean we had at the time, 1,300 stores. So you're I one of the.
1: I did design that. I, I had a, did. And, a, it, and a purpose. I'll come back and You use Well, go. What I
0: think made that impactful. So you have a group of store managers who yeah. feel invisible and forced upon and in some degrees powerless. And they're
1: list laden.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, and so your design created the opportunity for. Uh, the, uh, typically the CEO and maybe one or two members of his team at the time, Mm -hmm. they would drop in to, uh, a particular market and they would have a meeting in the back room of a grocery store, which I think was part of your design. And for, for that three hours or four hours, they typically went, everyone in that store felt so important because they had the CEO saying, I'm not here to talk to you. I'm here to listen to what you've got going on, what's on your plate. So it was just, you know, and he did them frequent enough that yeah. over a two year period, uh, I think he touched the entire company and it, it kind of shifted the uh, store managers feeling invisible and marginalized and put upon and, and literally kind of flipped that, you know, um,
1: so I, I, I'm trying to, I'm rem, now remembering my intervention, wanting to see they always get, um, they morph. So I'm yeah. not sure. So that was, it would be store managers from the district that came into the store to meet with Rick. That's know? right. Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah. Usually yeah. a couple of districts. So there, you'd have like uh, 40 store managers, uh, probably five or six DMs and and their boss, Um and the you idea needed, of, you needed a
1: big back room <laughs> well, it, literally
0: well i'll tell you we could move mountains uh w- the one thing that food Lion was great at is is execution yep. so yeah those back rooms did not look like their uh, grocery store back room they really transformed it but i i think i don't know
1: can i add it, to that hmm can i add to that yeah please part part of what they were quote supposed to do also was to do appreciative inquiry, meaning the managers would all walk around that store while all the people sweat bullets and they would uh, let the store know only what they saw that was good. Yes. And then, or say, do more of this. How about this, do more of this. Um, And in doing that, they walked away saying, shoo, my store could do more of that. Oh, so yeah. anyhow, yeah, it was it was good. And Rick was a CEO that could carry that easily. Yeah,
0: well, it's just, I, I think the the learning nugget is, you know, as a CEO, you have blind spots. Uh, mm-hmm. And some of those blind spots are where you're far removed from the organization. So in in my comments about how much store managers and DMs got out of it, I'll tell you right now, Rick got an awful lot in terms of really seeing uh, what what the reality was on the ground versus what he's perhaps told in the boardroom.
1: Yeah. And don't you, I mean, I often think of um, how important it is to not look, get away from the business and how many magnets pull you away from the business when you're in the top leadership role. Yeah. Uh, and how once you go douse yourself in reality again how energizing it is if if you like the business and I have a number one thing for everybody don't waste your career in a business you don't like (laughs) you won't be as great as you could be you need to I mean that's one of the things about OD that worked at Hannaford anyway. And the CEO recently told me is that we knew and enjoyed the business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I was fortunate. Uh, I knew I wanted to be in the food industry, which is kind of a weird, um, uh, vocation, uh, um, you know, why not be a doctor? Why not be? Yeah. How'd you know that? Oh, well, there's a lot of altruistic, um, if you remember back in the 70s.
1: Okay, you can be altruistic. Uh,
0: back in the 70s, there was a lot about world hunger. Yes. And and how many uh, impoverished uh, nations and even in our own country, people couldn't have uh, three meals a day. And so I felt I wanted to be a part of that solution. Um, Good for you. Yeah. So I, I didn't know what I would do in the industry, uh, but I uh-huh. knew that's what I wanted. Uh, But to your point, loving, you know, what your business does or what services or what products um, is really a a key take. You know, um, Joyce, can I, um, I'm going to throw a dilemma out there regarding the middle manager. Um, I was uh, part of an organization where I would do, um, I would do feedback sessions around um, you know, uh, surveys that were done, employee satisfaction survey. Oh, yeah, engagement. Engagement. And and what was fascinating, and this isn't uh, just this one, I see it again and again. You look at satisfaction levels at the very top, you <laughs> know, and, and everyone is saying, this is the greatest company. I'm totally <laughs> engaged. I feel relevant. I'm making a difference. And then you turn the organization mm-hmm. upside down. And, and it's like totally the opposite uh, for people that are shift supervisors and department managers and store managers. Um, And, you know, there's a lot that you can take away from that observation, but it's something I've seen time and time again, where satisfaction at the critical level, that level where the rubber hits the road, that makes the significant impact, makes the difference on people and productivity
1: um shift the pay and power tell me more pay more give them more control over their own um you know environment their purview so pay and power and that's now oh, i'm thinking about minimum wage now but um it's so easy at the top to go, let's all cooperate and build a culture and then let's go out for a really big dinner. <laughs> um, and yeah, oh gosh. Um, well, I think what did, Rick did at Rick at Retail, yeah. this is our CEO we we're talking about, that. We one of the many we worked with. Just get, I know that that's where the power is and go there, start there. We were talking about where do you start work when you come in as an OD person. And usually there's a dilemma that somebody wants solved. And if you're an external boy, that's what you need to focus on. And also as an external, usually you try to press the boundary of that a little both for better work and because you want the work. I say start wherever the pain is and the pain is usually in the store. Uh, yeah. Can I get an the, with the, with the middle level or, and then you can work up and down from there. Actually, when somebody says where to start, I say anywhere.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I <laughs> used to, I used to uh, frame that question as an either, or, so where do I place my time and emphasis and invest mm-hmm. that top level you know, easy to get your arms around 100 minus plus people versus mm-hmm. that middle, which can feel overwhelming and, uh, you know, uh, challenging to, to, to see a difference. And it really is a, it, it's like start anywhere. Uh,
1: and yeah, make- if, if you have a point of view and you're grounded in your OD principles, anywhere you start, is good. If every yeah. place you start is a very different orientation and a very different approach in terms of values and skills, then you're just creating a mess or doing the work that you like to do.
0: Yeah. Can um, I give you uh, so you, you said pay and power and, and we've mm-hmm. come around to this theme, you know, who, who uh, an example, who've, who's done that really well in the grocery industry is Trader Joe's. The founders, cool. the founders of Trader Joe's essentially looked at the world of retailing at the time, this is back, I think, in the 1970s, 80s, and basically said, those people that are running that store are the most important element of our success. So they paid ridiculously higher pay and salaries for people in the store uh, than anywhere else in the industry. And still still do. And so while Trader Joe's, certainly hit the pay um, in terms of the power. They said, here are the products that we're going to sell and they're going to be unique and you're not going to find them anywhere else. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the environment and the play and the fun uh, and the connection in, in the store, that they, they gave the people in the store the power.
1: Totally. That makes me breathe easy. Well, you can feel the energy. Yeah. In the store where I shop. Yeah. And
0: in a, in, a, in a less dramatic way, uh, I think my experience at, at Hannaford and, uh, and and Food Lion were the same, that we kind of shifted the pay and power uh, mostly through incentive. Uh, if you remember, store managers had a higher incentive payout rate percentage-wise yeah. than DMs and others uh, yeah. up in the organization. Yeah. So that's a nugget. Pay and power.
1: <laughs> yeah. Check out your organization. Guess what? What? I was not a good manager.
0: Was that choice?
1: I wasn't. I was a good leader. Um, first of all, my purview or my, I felt that the total organization was my client. Oh. Always. Always. Which kept me out of a lot of turf battles. And. I was a leader and I mean, if I look back at my history, I always end up ended up president of everything from sixth grade on and I didn't, I didn't think about it. I didn't, but I didn't, I just wasn't a good manager. I didn't drop in and give them booster shots. I did have some meetings. I gave them a lot of room to run. I included them all in big work Maybe I was an okay manager. I'll have to, okay, people, you can write in the truth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You but know, because
1: if you see, what, what, does, what's, what does a great manager do?
0: If, if I think, so this is my own experience.
1: And all engagement stuff shows this, yep.
0: Uh, depending on what the organization values, so whether it's creativity and innovation and constantly evolving um, or in the case of supermarket industry, it's doing the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, so execution and, and what we used to regard as flawless execution.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's where like strategy meets, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. reality of Get it done, yeah. getting it done. Uh, I think that's a, that's a key attribute and not to confuse that, you know, your job here is, isn't to kind of create, uh, you know, a, a totally unique, different uh, uh, store or department. It's to execute those things that are critical to the company. So there goes
1: my power.
0: Yeah, I just, I just said that. So I, I, I told you it was going to be my view.
1: Yeah. And plus, that's not what you do. I think you were a good manager, meaning that people have direction. Yeah. They, and maybe I was okay, but I had
0: yeah, I, I understood
1: I, what they were doing. You saw them, you connected with them, you connected them with one another. Uh, it's, it's like a brood. Yeah. You know, you got this
0: brood. I, I, of, I think the biggest distinction between a good manager and a bad manager
1: mm-hmm. is a
0: good manager sees their people as the solution
1: mm-hmm.
0: to whatever needs to be solved mm-hmm. in that organization, mm-hmm. a bad manager typically sees people, their team as a problem to be solved.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, and, and so if I compare one of those to the other, you know, people where a manager sees people as the solution People connect. They see what their role is. They understand the relevance of what they do. And oh, by the way, my boss has my back.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my work, way, has, my work has value. Towards yeah, the my work
0: has values. He's looking at who I am as a total human being versus how many bathroom breaks did I take today? You know, a problem. <laughs> no, has a lot to
1: do with being a human being. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. The
0: problem to <laughs> yeah. be solved is uh, do they show up? Uh, do they, you know, take the right amount of time on breaks? Do they go to the bathroom too much? Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's a real exception-based uh, versus kind of believing in people. So
1: I'm thinking of one more formal thing we did. Sure. Which was so much more impactful than I thought it might be, but I knew it was needed. That was management overview. Ah, yeah. Yeah, and where we had for new managers, each function explained their roles, their dilemmas, but also made them connect with the whole picture. So it meant that all the leaders of all the functions had to be there for the whole day. And as they handed off to other people, um, like HR to marketing, there was a moment to say, here's where you drive me crazy, HR. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, it showed the connections of how the whole thing works. And um, it was amazing how, and I said, you can do it any way you want if you want to do a skit. And some of the most staid people in the organization went cuckoo. That was in the era where at Hannaford, anyhow, there was a skit for every occasion. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, anyhow, the importance of, the managers and even those of us who participated going, okay. I didn't realize that price didn't have that much, you know, how to make, how to price an item. Anyhow, anyhow, anything that makes the overall context fit.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll share what I think is a a real example of that. Um, When I was uh, a VP of operations at Food Lion, I would do a divisional meeting every quarter at Knoxville, Tennessee in a big ballroom. Uh, not a big ballroom, but a pretty nice size room. And there'd usually be about 60 people in attendance and we would sit in this huge circle. So we, you know, uh, and and what we did was we always had each district manager bring a store manager uh-huh. And they're coming to a divisional meeting, so yeah. these people are coming in to that room like quaking in their boots, uh-huh. right? And the one thing we did was we made them the focus. Uh-huh. Teach us. We uh-huh. we reality tested everything through the lens, and it was it was interesting to see over time where store managers got. It's kind of the reverse of the Rickett retail. Bring them uh-huh. up, uh-huh. and and it was incredibly impactful because they went back to their stores and told their counterparts, wow, here's where we're going.
1: Yay. I keep wanting to, how, if you were to reconfigure that, how would you reconfigure it? Meaning if you, because you were all in the circle as equals, would you put the store guests in the center to have a discussion among themselves while others listened?
0: Uh, You know- I, I don't know. I mean, that's a great
1: idea. Um, no, I just immediately thought, how would how would you? Yeah, because 60 is big. The one thing I would say
0: in the welcome is, you know, I would call out the role, of the store managers in the room. I said, mm-hmm. you're here today not to listen and learn and go back to your store. You're here because you're, viewpoints your opinions matter and you know what if you keep them to yourself this meeting is not going to work so i'm going to put a little bit of burden on you that in the course of the next eight hours i want to make sure that i hear your voice so it was a l- which i know is kind of a mandate from above but it, it kind of levels no, no, no.
1: i think i think it wasn't that i was just thinking what are the you know me what are the different ways to play with oh yeah. duration have have the um, <laughs> I'm wanting the store managers to talk out loud to create a quiz for the others <laughs> <laughs> well, Just so they we're, know anyhow we're getting close on time so
0: okay um, how do we you know I, I use the thread the needle so what what are some of the, the takeaways around middle management why don't we uh, have a game of ping pong hitting it back and forth what do you think is a big takeaway
1: <laughs> You put me on the spot that I have muddled thoughts. Um, nurture, care for this group, feed this group, love this group, hire this group well. This is where it's happening. And don't go for the glamour only of CEO and top leader. The manager and a good manager is something to behold. They carry a kind of magic for creating a nurturing environment and in the food industry for a very tough situation. You never know what's going to happen at retail. That's why it's so much fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyhow, just let's pamper them a little. I don't hear them talked about enough. I I
0: think your suggestion or at least your uh, view that pay and power Mm -hmm. is, is critical. And I think oftentimes we think of compensation as kind of a short term, but You know, the whole notion of making sure that where the rubber hits the road, that they have not only the power to feel they can influence the outcome, uh, but also to be paid
1: well uh, is a takeaway for me. Yes. And not to feel that they can have the power, but that they have it. Yeah. Do you remember you and I had an argument once where I said you're killing the store managers with support? Oh, yeah. Well, it's part of Helpful Bob, right? Well, no, it was going into a new area. Everybody from every direction was coming in to help them.
0: Yeah. It wasn't yeah. Ju-
1: It wasn't just you. It was uh, they had more consulting and support and they would just get so dizzy from it anyway.
0: Yeah. Well, the just hearing. So I, I think that's the other thing. Um, uh, you know, there's the nurturing component but also believing in them and, and whatever support you give, don't do it at their expense in terms of their power. Let them ask for it. Yeah, uh, another, I, I would suggest nugget for folks. Most good companies do uh, environmental scans where they look at engagement uh, yes. up and down the company. If, if your satisfaction levels with that group, that population, those middle managers, mm-hmm. uh, if it's lower than the rest of your organization, that is a red flag uh, that needs to be addressed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: End of session. <laughs> End of discussion. So, okay. Um, we could probably go on and on because this is a pretty critical um, conversation. Yeah. And I find myself passionate about it. <laughs> I, I'm getting passionate.
1: So uh, say goodbye, Joyce. Bye. Bye. And here we go again. Um, We are still noodling on that phrase that came up when talking about managers about pay and power and uh, to unstick our brains and to think about how it could be and the importance of pay and power in the design of a functional organization rather than the traditional that we have locked into our DNA. We're gonna do a, a thing that we often do when we're kind of stuck and that is what if. So we're going to play what if about pay and power uh, in an organ large organization. And we have to do 25 what ifs and see where we go. And it could go down the drain, but here we go. You're gonna count, Bob? I will count. Okay. What if the associates in the store got to vote, on the increase in pay of their store manager
0: gosh it's tough to follow that one <laughs> yes. uh, what if we had exaggerated compensation for the highest performers in a given role mm-hmm. like like out of the traditional norm hmm
1: And what if those people who were out of the traditional norm stayed in their role to get that chunk of money and didn't have to be promoted to a job they didn't really want? What if we evaluated and paid top managers wildly different from the average manager? (laughs) Okay, we're doing what what if. What if we
0: ignored traditional... Uh, market-based compensation to replicate and look at the unique uh, value proposition of our organization and have that be our guiding force.
1: Um, what if stores elected their store manager? What if door
0: associates could eliminate or get rid of their leader?
1: French Revolution. Um, What if pay was, I wanna say abundant across the organization with very little differences between or among them. Did did, you, did that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay,
1: so you take the pool of money and you more evenly distribute it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think of a principle, <clears throat> this is a what if, what if compensation or pay was seen uh, as a uh, investment as opposed
1: to an expense? What if there was a mechanism like Congress for store managers where they're elected to come and speak and and kind of manage stores. And then there was, you know, in the Senate (laughs) was (laughs) a whole different thing. But what if there was an official Congress of representatives from the stores to come and um, create policy and period? How many do we have?
0: <laughs> we have we have about probably ten more to go at least.
1: Yep. She, we um, used to make people do this.
0: Yeah. Um, what if we realign power from the top to the middle to the bottom? What might that look like? Mm-hmm.
1: What if every store based on their performance of that particular store, divvied up their money <laughs> among themselves? Oh God. Um, what if
0: uh, a manager's pay was tied to the success of their store?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like big time. Mm
1: -hmm. And what if, and we almost did this, we need to talk about it sometime. Corporate bonuses, corporate people were paired with stores and their bonus depended on the store's success.
0: Can I have a truth, Barb? Mm -hmm. I remember that. It wasn't uh, widely... Uh, appreciated or understood or accepted. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) The CEO and I loved it. And we'll come back to it.
0: Yeah. Um, What if every business unit or store had a bucket of uh, pay or salary assigned to that unit and that the team determines the distribution of that payout
1: and what if that team were made out of, up out of one person from each function that that their uh, team elected to come and make that decision what,
0: what if, if oh go ahead what if you looked at the biggest lever or leverage point for a middle manager and give them 100% power to leverage it and make it theirs.
1: What if store managers were paid a percentage of whatever it, the percentage is decided on but the percentage comes from what the ceo gets paid so the value of the store manager job has to be at least 75% yep yeah. the same as the <laughs> ceo what if the potential
0: bonus payout as percent was the highest for the entire company for those middle managers It's a little bit of a variation on what you said.
1: Uh I think most, what if the store manager council had to have formal agreement with large strategic directions? or policy. What if
0: that same group had to self uh, manage the distribution of a pool of bonus for the group? Mm -hmm. Did, Did that make sense? Yep. Okay.
1: What if store managers what if it was the rare store managers who wanted that much accountability and responsibility?
0: What if we had uh, enhanced pay benefits like insurance uh, or vacation uh, uh, time off for that group that was different than the rest of the company?
1: Mm-hmm. And what if there was a um, status of master store manager based on all aspects of the job that was paid a lot more and became a model and the teacher of others, but didn't have to get promoted to get more money, didn't have to get promoted from what they loved to do and did well and were recognized as being a master
0: Yeah, I'm going to come back and count these, but I think we're close to 25. Oh,
1: my God, I hope so. But you know what we used to do? (laughs) Well, we've got a few minutes. We have to always ask for five more. Yeah. (laughs) How was that for you? Fun. But it took a stretch. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because not only was it a stretch, when you begin A sentence with what if i found myself saying things that on at face value i didn't believe
1: yeah me too who cares yeah but
0: who cares that's right it's if you can stretch the thinking
1: yeah um, you know you could almost feel your brain stretch oh against against the norms
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah so fun and by the way there's a little hint in case you need to take something concrete away and maybe you do this all the time but the what if and ask for 25 what ifs without conversation in between we almost broke that rule and then when everybody thinks they're done you ask for five more and they want to kill you and it's the best five and we didn't do that <laughs> no, <they> didn't. <laughs> maybe
0: next time
1: That's okay reading the, the, the thing yeah
0: Okay, Joyce, say goodbye. Bye. Till the next time. Thank you for joining us on the Bob and Joyce podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and picked up an idea or two to go forward and do great work. For more information, please visit us at bobandjoyce.com. If you like today's podcast, please click subscribe. And even better, give us a quick review on Apple Podcasts. It supports us and helps others define the show. If you'd like more ODHR content, please follow us on Facebook by searching for Bob and Joyce Podcast. Until the next time, be well and be safe.